Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 1. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what, you, what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So God will bless that reading of his word and let's just pray before we look at it. Our Father, we thank you again for this chance that we have to come and gather around your word. and We just thank you that as we come, you will open our hearts and our minds. We know there are many things that would distract us and take our thoughts away. And Our Father, we just pray that that might not happen, that we might concentrate our thoughts on you, on your word, and listen to what you have to say through it this morning. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Mark uh, chapter 13. Now, this is the last week before the death of Jesus, and he's been teaching in the temple. And he's delivered his last public message. And this section that we are going to look at, it's an important passage in Mark's gospel. And it's prompted by an observation made by one of the disciples as they leave the temple on their way back towards the Mount of Olives. It's also recorded for us in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21. And it's known generally as the Olivet Discourse. So when we come to verse 1, we read, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Now this temple, it was, wasn't Solomon's temple. That had been destroyed by the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, and that was way back in uh, 587 BC. And later on, it would be rebuilt by Zerubbabel, and that was in the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. And then it was refurbished by Herod the Great. Now at the time, 
it was still under construction. And the disciples, uh, as they walked back past it, they would see this. They would see all this going on. They would see all that had already been built, that was about to be built, and the building was being done. And one of the terms sometimes used to describe this was saying that Herod beautified the temple. Now, Josephus, the Jewish historian, he was there at the time, and he records certain things about it. And one of the things is, and it's relevant to what we just read about the, the size of these stones, because Joseph, uh, Josephus, the historian, tells us that some of these stones were 40 feet long, 11 feet high, and 16 feet deep. The temple itself was about 180 feet high and there were pinnacles within the temple now one of these pinnacles is mentioned in the temptations of jesus when he was in the wilderness and satan tried to tempt him and he said i'll take you to the high point in the temple parts of the temple were also made of very white stone and some of it was marble and a lot of it was decorated by gold now, for us today, if you go to uh, Jerusalem, there's the part that they call the Western Wall. Some people will call it the Wailing Wall, but the Jews don't like that. It is the Western Wall. Western Wall. Uh, and that is part of Herod's temple. And the stones there, are, they are big. I've actually seen them. Anyway, let's go to verse 2 of our passage. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This response from Jesus must have shocked the disciples and probably stunned them into silence as they continued out of Jerusalem and on and into and onto the, the, the Mount of Olives. So when we come to verse 3 and 4, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us what will these things, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? This is a quieter moment. They're now on the Mount of Olives and from there you can see right down into the temple and the temple area. And in this quiet moment, it presented the opportunity for these two sets of brothers to approach Jesus with what was a twofold question. When will it happen? And what are we to look out for? Now let's just stop for a moment because an important thing here about this question, and one that we are in danger of missing, is that they didn't doubt his words they did not question that it would happen they asked the question in the confidence that it would happen maybe they didn't think it would happen in their lifetime but they had no doubt about what Jesus said and as we approach this passage we're going to read about a lot of other things that Jesus is going to tell us and he's going to tell us these things that will happen. And some of them have not happened yet. We may not understand them. But the one thing we can do with certainty 
is now that what he says is true. And we can believe, even though we may not fully understand it all, this passage has been a well-discussed passage among prominent Bible commentators down the years and even today. Uh, it's a subject of a number of different views. But this is the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is that if Jesus said it will happen, then it will happen, even if we don't always know in what order these things are going to happen. But they will happen. And we need to be like the disciples. They never doubted that when Jesus said this temple will be destroyed, they never doubted that that would not happen. They believed fully that it would. So back to our passage. Jesus starts here with a warning. You see, by the end of the week, they, the disciples, will witness the death of, death of Jesus. Then they will see him risen. And then 40 days later, they will see him ascend into heaven. And these words of Jesus are for them. And they will need them for the trouble that they have to face in the future. So we go to verse 5, we read through to verse 8. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You know, these words, they apply to them in their day. And they also apply to us in our day. Within their lifetime, many of these things did happen. False prophets did come in his name. So Jesus tells them, don't be deceived by them. The Romans were in charge. And during their lifetime, there were rumours of war spread between them and the Jews. And then, in AD, AD 62, there was a Jewish revolt against the Romans. It was an earthquake that severely damaged Herculaneum and Pompeii. That happened in AD 62. That earthquake was probably the cause of the volcano erupting later in AD 79. These things were happening during the lifetime of the disciples. As I mentioned, these, disap the, the, these disasters we, we've had or they've had in their day. And we see disasters now. But we must always remember that there are many things that can cause natural disasters. And we mustn't be too quick to attribute all of them to being a direct punishment from God. Although, they are all a result of the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world. But God can use them. And sometimes he does. And we, like the disciples, 
We are to not be alarmed by these things. The phrase to note here is, these are the beginning of birth pains. So, let's go to verse 9 and through to verse 11. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Now what I want us to do now is just for a few moments uh, stop and we'll unpick these few verses and see what is happening here. So let's look at the first part. Handed over to local councils and flogged in synagogues. Jesus said, this is going to happen to you. Right. What happened to Peter and John? What happened to them when they went before the Sanhedrin? They were handed over to the local council. They were flogged in the synagogues. They were also imprisoned. You will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Okay. Let's think about Paul. Paul was brought before the council. Yeah. Then he was brought before Felix. And then Festus and finally King Agrippa. Governors and kings. What did he do? He witnessed to them. He spoke the gospel. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Again, let's go to Paul. Paul preached the gospel to the then known world. And it is still being preached today. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, this doesn't mean that the preacher or the teacher do not have to prepare for sermons. This is not a license to be lazy. But it does mean that in a situation like Stephen was, as he was being stoned, God gave him the powerful words to say to his executioners. Now, all we have to do is go and read the book of Acts and we'll see that all these things happened to the disciples in their day. These were the beginnings of the birth pains. Verse 12 to 13 in our passage. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In those days, I understand to say Jesus is Lord... It would have been seen as heresy by the Jews because they would say, God is Lord. And anything other than that was deemed heretical. To say Jesus is Lord, this would be seen as treason by the Romans because to them, Caesar was Lord. 
So just to express the fact that you believe that Jesus is Lord was enough for you to be condemned by either the Jews or the Romans or both. You know, when Paul was Saul, before his name was changed and before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he saw Christians as being heretics. So he persecuted them. He was there at the death of Stephen. He minded their coats. He gave sanction to it as they stoned Stephen to death. And sometimes by gathering evidence against them, some of that evidence would have come from family members. Those family members who were loyal to either the rabbi or Caesar. And also there's another thought here, because in times of great persecution, particularly for those in Rome who were being persecuted by the Romans, who were thrown into the Colosseum with wild animals, they would have been betrayed, some of them. And some of that betrayal would have been forced out of people by torture or by threat of death. Jesus said that everyone will hate you because of me. And they did. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This must be viewed in the context of this passage and also in the rest of Scripture. And this doesn't mean that you can be saved and lost. I want us, as we draw to a close this morning, uh, to just read uh, from Romans here. Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All the things that Jesus has so far warned the disciples about happen to them during their lifetime. The veil of the temple was ripped top to bottom when Jesus hung on the cross. About 40 years later in AD 70, the temple was destroyed. We have heard the phrase a few times this morning, these are the beginnings of birth pains. This heralds a new birth a new beginning. The birth will be painful. The result is a new life. That new life starts with a new life in Jesus. And that new life will not be fully complete till we are with him in glory. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. 
So for us this morning, in the meantime, Romans 8 verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. What about the future? Well, let's go to Revelation 21 verse 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed for her husband. We're going to finish there this morning. And next week we're going to have a look at the following verses, 14 through to 19. But I want us to take away with from us this morning, take away with us this morning, the thoughts that we've had, the things we've discussed, the passages that we read together, and I want us to think about these things. These are the beginnings of birth pains. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed for her husband. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these words and ask that you will bring encouragement to us as we go through what still are troubling times. We don't understand the full future. We know the end result because you've told us. But on the journey, Father, we just ask that you keep us faithful, that we will trust and obey. And like the disciples, what you have said is true. And even if we don't understand it, your word is true. Keep us faithful to it. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.